My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Judas had left them, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. I first received the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, back in 1995 as a gift when I was graduating college and preparing to enter the seminary. The book of inspirational short stories that carry the promise on the cover to open the heart and rekindle the spirit was compiled by these two motivational speakers who had heard them from audience members or from other sources over the years and had typed and edited and organized them. And these heartwarming stories compiled into this single title, which major publishers had rejected, much to their chagrin, as it was self-published and then became this monstrous bestseller that now, 30 years later, has become its own entertainment conglomerate publishing over 250 more Chicken Soup titles and expanded to everything from television and film production to even pet food. I kid you not. Chicken Soup for the pet soul, I guess. I don't know. One of the stories that was included in that initial volume that I had never forgotten was listed on Courage. And the story went, many years ago, I worked as a volunteer at Stanford Hospital. I got to know a little girl named Liza who was suffering from a rare and serious disease. Her only chance of recovery appeared to be a blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother who had miraculously survived the same disease and had developed the antibodies needed to combat the illness. The doctor explained the situation to her little brother and asked the boy if he would be willing to give his blood to his sister. I saw him hesitate for only a moment before taking a a deep breath and saying, yes, I will do it if it will save Liza. As the transfusion progressed, he lay in bed next to his sister and smiled, as we all did, seeing the color returning to her cheeks. And then his face grew pale and his smile faded. And he looked up at the doctor and asked with a trembling voice, will I start to die right away? Being young, the boy had misunderstood the doctor and he thought he was going to have to give all of his blood. And I remember reading that tearjerker story that simply ended like that, thinking, 
That would make a great sermon starter one day. But honestly, so did many others because I've heard it used by priests and preachers and motivational speakers in a variety of contexts over the years a few times that I've resisted using it. But when I was praying with these scriptures this past week, the story kept coming to mind. And forgetting where I'd put the book, I did what would have been unthinkable 30 years ago because it wasn't a thing yet. I started typing into Google, boy donating, and it not only finished the thought for me without my typing it, blood to sister, which was creepy but efficient, it instantly gave a whole list of results that contained this story. And one site was Snopes, which is a popular website that claims to be fact-checkers on pop culture and stories that pop up on the internet. So clicking it, reading through, they had this whole history of variations of this story that they had been able to track going back as far as a 1925 film. And that made this more interesting to me than even the initial story did. Their editorial assessment labeled the story as a legend. And they explained it saying, this touching yet true life, in quotations to clarify their doubts about the veracity of the story, has been kicking around in pop culture for more than 90 years which means it has already enjoyed a longer life than most of the people who will repeat it. No chicken soup keeps that well, and the astute should by now be ruling out the likelihood of so many critical condition youngsters brought back from the brink of death by transfusion from siblings who were convinced they were submitting to having all their blood drained off. Whatever the online story source is, It's typical of many glugorific offerings. Another pause here, because I had to Google that word. I've never heard glugorific before. And that's defined as over-the-top, implausible, cloyingly sentimental. This sticky, sweet surface message masks a darker reading of the same tale. What should we make of the idea that a little boy believed his parents loved his sister far more than they loved him and would happily have thrown away his life for hers. I read that and I was just stunned because whether the initial story was true or not, many found it moving and a tearjerker because they recognized the little boy had an innocence and a purity of heart and a selflessness and a sacrificial nature that made him recognize true love. But that's the problem right there. That word love has been trivialized and manipulated so much that we have people using it to describe ordering off the McDonald's value menu as the company's slogan, I'm loving it. When people are using the word love as the feeling they have for a quarter pounder with cheese, you might have to recognize that people have very different understandings of what that word is. For us as, as Catholic Christians, love isn't just a noun or a verb expressing deep feelings of affection, but is a person, Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate. In today's gospel, Jesus identifies himself not only as God and that at his core and nature, 
God is love. He calls us to love one another as a new commandment. What makes this a new commandment? What makes it so dramatically different and explicit in raising expectations? Because it wouldn't have been controversial for people to believe love as an expression of kindness. Looking at all of Jesus' miracles, where he's healing the sick or feeding the hungry or caring for the poor and trying to emulate those to the best of our abilities and imagining love as doing nice things. But that's not accurate. When Jesus is calling us to love one another as I have loved you, he's saying this in the upper room on Holy Thursday night after the Last Supper. The gospel starts with those words, Judas has just left. He's left to betray him. And Jesus knows that his his passion leading to his death on the cross are about to begin. He's embracing that passion and that cross for you and for me and for all humanity. It's his selflessness and his sacrifice on the cross that becomes the definition of love. And that's what he's calling us to embrace as his disciples. That's why the crucifix remains front and center for us, even in the midst of this season of Easter joy, where we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. The crucifix is there so that we never forget that true love costs something. It's tied to sacrifice. It often means there's an element of suffering involved. Our ancestors in the faith understood that perfectly. In the first reading today, we heard about Paul and Barnabas preaching about this. St. Luke wrote how Paul exhorted them to persevere in faith, saying it's necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. What the lectionary reading omits is that right before this, Paul had been stoned, and not in the way New Jersey recently legalized stupidly. Paul and Barnabas had been preaching about Jesus and winning converts. And when people who wanted to stifle the early Christians and stop that evangelization of the world and try to erase or cancel Jesus, they came upon Paul, they dragged him out of the city, and they leveled rocks at him. That was what it meant to be stoned. It was a particularly brutal and gruesome and torturous way of death, and they thought they had killed Paul. That's why said they had left him for dead. That he rises was a particular shock and seemingly miraculous to Barnabas and the disciples that were with him. But even more miraculous is when Paul goes back preaching, broken, beaten up, probably bandaged, probably with a bloodied, swollen lip, and proclaims this good news. When people see that Paul isn't giving it to fear or anger or bitterness about what just happened to him, but seeks about something greater than he himself has experienced, namely forgiveness of his sins, when he used to be of the same mind and heart, one who had rejected Paul, one who had rejected Jesus, and were trying to eliminate him in the exact same way, stoning people who had done the same thing. That 
catches that audience's attention. And so when they hear Paul speak, that human suffering is meaningful when we unite it to Jesus's. That when we desire to live like him and for him and with him, when we don't live for a happy existence here, but have our hearts focused on an eternity in the kingdom of heaven, that's when we demonstrate that we understand the value of sacrifice because we understand the reality of love. And that's how we can see the truth of this legendary story of this little boy donating blood for his sister that no, he didn't think his parents loved him less than his sister, but that he was being Christ-like and he thought he was laying down his life for hers. And whether that particular story was verifiable or not, it rings as true and beautiful because it's a story that Christians throughout the centuries have demonstrated in countless, countless ways. Whether it's one of the greatest of martyrs laying down their very lives physically for Christ in heroic ways that inspire and confound and challenge us, to some of the most seemingly unknown of individuals who do that in equally meaningful ways spiritually as they put the care and the needs and the will of others ahead of their own. Whether it's a spouse doing it for their husband or wife or a mother or father doing it for their children or a priest or religious doing that for the people that the Lord has called them to serve. In all those ways, we strive to live Jesus' commandment, knowing that love True and sincere love is really the only thing that matters.